Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Amen. Without any further ado, we, we, uh, we have a very special guest speaker this morning, a good friend of mine. Uh, he's the district youth director uh, for T, uh, Texas, Louisiana, Hispanic district. And uh, I've known him for, for a really long time. I'm trying to copy the same introduction that you gave me on Friday. Uh, but he's been a friend for many years, and he's, he's a great man of God, um, and he's someone that I really look up to. So please help me welcome George Carabayo. Wow, that was an awesome introduction, brother. I love Ryan. I love him a lot. I call him Ryan before he became John Ryan. Actually, he was originally John Ryan, but then he went by Ryan, and then he went back to his stage name, John Ryan, JRC. Got to copyright that. Um, I, I love him a lot. Known him for over 15 years or so. Man, I was probably like 14 or 15 when we first got to know each other. And I remember uh, we had our fine arts festival yesterday, and um, and Ryan was was like the all star fine arts. I was like the all star in like the the really categories no one did like you know like the, the stuff no one ever saw ryan was like the all-star in like the singing and all that stuff and you know i always wanted to sing and i was like man i hate you <laughs> like because you know he would always be like man he just and he's one of those guys that ryan and um he'd be like you know he'd be singing and he bust out into a sermon and he could be preaching and like hold on let me jump on the keys really quick and and so I, it was funny because the, the other day uh, he preached at our fine arts festival, which, by the way, he did a phenomenal job. Give him some praise. If, if you haven't caught that on live stream, phenomenal, phenomenal sermon he preached to our young people. Um, I mean, about 500 people were there, and our young people were, 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 were thrilled. I mean, great event that we did. And, and, man, he got up there, and, man, I just felt like the fire of God coming out of him. I was like, man, I, I didn't know you could preach like that, bro. Like... <laughs> Like, I was like, man, and it was, it's, so it's been great to see him, and, and I saw him go up there, and he's like, man, you know, he's like, hey, you know, just let the worship go on, and I was sitting next to uh, Paulina, and I was, I was standing right next to her, I was like, I bet you $5 that Ryan's going to bust out starting singing in the middle, of the, and, I, and, he, and you started singing, like, I'm like, you know, and I was like, I hate him, like, like why can't I do that? Like, why can't I just go up there and just start, like, you know, let's all sing and rise as well. Like, um, but, what, you know, I mean, I guess God, I mean, I'm, I, I can't have everything, okay? But, um, but I, I'm thrilled to have uh, been blessed by Ryan as a, a friend and a fellow a colleague in the ministry. And also the Cantu family, um, Pastor Juan and Sister Annette. Give them all a round of applause. I think they're phenomenal people. Um, I, I am, I'm excited for you guys. Um, I'm blessed to be here. If you have your Bibles, John chapter eight, John chapter eight. And if you don't have it, it'll be on the screen. You can follow along. Um, I, I am excited that you guys are in a place where, where of, of growth. Every single time I come, I see new faces. I see new people and I see new journeys and new interactions, and uh, everybody's on a different journey in life, and everybody comes into this place, 
And we could come as one body of Christ. You're no longer black, white, Hispanic. You're no longer um, one person or another. You're neither Jew nor Greek. You're not one or another. We're all one family in Christ. And so when we come here today, I want to believe that God is going to open up our hearts and our minds to understand and see that there's plenty of other people out there that still desperately need to fill this sanctuary. As you can tell around you, we can celebrate three years, but I want to celebrate the next 30 years and anticipate what's going to happen in the future and and around all of East Downtown and the East End and Second Ward, that God is going to flood in people here and around the balconies and around the back rows and around we're not we're gonna have to put some extra chairs out because if we believe and if there's people that believe that God can do something with people God can do something with nobody let it be us and let God bless us let God touch us let God use us can anybody agree with me today John chapter 8 we're gonna read we're gonna quickly starting verse 1 it says like this But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Says early in the morning. Anybody like to wake up early in the morning? Morning people. He came again to the temple. All the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, teacher. This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. I want to talk to you this morning, using as the subject from uh, tonight or this morning, um, drop the rock. Drop the rock. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. God, we invite you to just mess us up this morning. God, ruin our mentalities, our traditions. God, completely warp everything about us, God. Because without you, we are nothing, Lord. In your name we pray, and everyone said, amen. When we enter into the story, in John chapter 8, he's, John is depicting us a story of Jesus. I love Jesus because Jesus is God with us. He's Emmanuel. He came and he bled and he died on the cross for our sins on Good Friday, resurrected on Easter Sunday. And he, he lives with us and he, he is with us in us and his presence is with us wherever he goes, wherever we go. And through Jesus, we have life. And if you don't know Jesus, today's a day to understand and get to know him because he will give you life in abundance. Anybody hear me today? So John is telling this story about Jesus that is not found in any other gospel. This story of Jesus, and and he's teaching in front of the people in an early morning hour. In front of all the scribes and the Pharisees, and they bring him a woman who was caught in adultery. This morning I want to tell you about three different types of people that are in this room. Three different types of people that exist today. You're either, number one, you're the adulterer. Number two, you're the accuser. Or number three, you're the advocate. If you're taking notes, you can write those down. You're the adulterer, the accuser, or the advocate. Let's talk about the adulterer or the, or the adulteress. Jesus is presented with a situation right now 
They bring him a woman that was caught in adultery. This woman had slept with someone who she was not married with. This, 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 this generation or this culture of this day was a very, pers- a very a law-stricken culture. They, they abided by the law. They did what the law said. And they tried to put the law on someone else because this is what the, the way they lived. And these Pharisees who were the teachers of the law, they were the people that would carry out the law. They would present the law. They would make sure people followed the law to the T. That was their job. They were meticulous at making sure that everyone did what they were supposed to do because this is what Moses, oh, what God gave to Moses and Moses gave to the people over the years. So they presented Jesus with the situation. Instead, I would say it was probably a trap. They put it in front of this woman. Obviously, she has been in sin. And they put her, and they put him in front of, of uh, they put her in front of him. And I can imagine this woman, she's desperate. I can imagine this woman, she's crying, upset, uh, and, and just in despair. Because in that time period, the call for this type of sin was, was to stone and to kill this woman. You would take someone like this that had been in adultery, and you would actually take both sides, because it takes two to tango. Anybody hear me? But there's something happening here. Something fishy is happening. They green the woman. They bring her out, and, they, and this is the time where everybody's supposed to stone her and kill her because this is the culture that they live in. This is the time that they live in. This is the time of the law. So they bring this woman out, and Jesus is presented with the situation. What do we do? What do you do? Let's keep on reading. The Bible tells us. It says, it says here in verse 5, In the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? Verse 5. They were using this as a question, as a trap, in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to him, If any of you is without sin, let him be the one to throw the first stone. You see, this woman is the adulterer, but here's what Jesus says. I'm not going to accuse you anymore. You're a person that I'm going to save. No matter what state of situation you're in, every single one of us has gone through a time period where we have been set apart from God or we've been apart from God. There's times where we have sin. We have sin. We have made mistakes. And no matter what size of sin it is, whether it's so small or so big, there's no sin that God cannot take you out of. There's no trap. There's no uh, attack of the enemy that God cannot liberate you from. There's no drug addiction. There's no porn addiction. There's no a marriage that's so broken that God cannot save. There's no, there's, anybody can testify to this. There is no family that's so destroyed and so distraught that God cannot restore. There's no thing that God can do because I believe in a God that he looks at people on the ground. He looks at them in their despair. I believe in a God that sees the woman where she's at and he looks upon her. And he's, instead of having a stone in his hand, he, has, he, he takes a cross in his hands because he loves the woman so much that I will die for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've been through. I love you and my kingdom is for you. I believe in a Jesus that said I came to seek and save the lost. I believe in a Jesus who leaves the 99 to go after the one. 
And I believe that when the 99 are there and they get lost as well, he goes out and saves them as well. And here's the responsibility of every single one of us today is that the problem is, is that this woman is here and she's accused. But can I tell you, if you find yourself in accusation, if you find yourself in adultery and you've sinned and you messed up, can I tell you that God is here today to give you life and life in abundance. You don't have to sin anymore. You don't have to be in chains anymore. You don't have to be broken anymore because I serve a Jesus that gives you life that no one can take away. That's my Jesus. Remember when you were a sinner. Remember when you were like this woman on her knees. Crying beside your bedside. Crying in desperation for your husband. Crying in desperation for your, your loved ones. Crying in desperation. Jesus says, here I am. Revelations 3.20 says like this. Here I am. I stand at the door and I'm knocking. And if anyone wants to come, let me in. I will come in and I will eat with him. Can I tell you that Jesus wants to eat with us and be with us and permeate with us and live with us? And you can eat at my table, Jesus says. But the second type of person that's in here, which is probably the person I'm, I'm, I'm really looking at this morning. Because praise God, if you were the adulterer and God saved you and you say, man, that was me. It used to be me, but I'm different now. Then maybe you fall into the next category. You become the accuser. It says that the, the people and scribes, the, 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 the scribes, the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees were these people that, that lived as religious leaders. They walked, they, they, they were important people. Not just anyone could be a religious leader. It was something that happened over time. It happened, you, you memorized every scripture of the Bible. You would recite it by, 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 by memory. You knew the Bible forwards and backwards. These are people that only the best of the best of the best of the most smartest, smartest people could be part of the Pharisees, be part of, of, of a, be a religious leader in this time. And so... What happens is that these people that are so smart at delivering the law, they sometimes forget what God is really about. And what happens over time is that these Pharisees, you can see it's not the people that are outside of the church. It's the people that are inside of the church that are the ones accusing the person. And they set a trap for this woman because, like I said, something fishy is going on. Where's the other person? Where's the guy? But they only bring out the woman in front. And these Pharisees who aren't so fair, you see, they come out and they say, Jesus, what do you want us to do? They accuse. They react. Can I tell you today? The biggest problem facing the church is the church. The biggest reason why people don't want to come to church is because of the people in this church. The amen stopped right there. They got quiet. The reality that we're facing is the reason why the people on the outside don't want to come inside is because the people on the inside act worse than the people on the outside. Anybody hear me today? 
People on the outside don't want to come inside because the people on the inside act worse than the people on the outside. I grew up in church, born and raised in the church. Anybody here born in church, raised in church, slept under the bancas, you know, like you, you know, the church. I mean, my mom, you know, she's like oversaved. I mean, everything was the devil. Like, like, no, Pokemon, the devil, you know, like Harry Potter, the devil. And like, everything was the devil. Like, I could Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the devil. Like, everything was the devil. But she could watch her novelas, you know, like, I didn't understand that one. And I'm like, Mom, what's wrong with you? No, es que estoy orando por ella. Estoy orando por Marimar, you know, para que Dios la convierta. Like, you know, I'm praying for her, like, you know, like, ay, que, 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 que las dos, dos mujeres encuentran un camino, like, you know, like, like, I never understood that. Like, we couldn't do nothing. Like, we could not do nothing, you know, like. And, 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 and you grow up in this, and what happens is that people either get, you either, you either conform to that, or you get upset and you leave. You don't want anything to do with church, because church is this religious place where all the people come, and you have to dress a certain way, you got to look a certain way, you got to keep up. And this is exactly what's happening, is that you're keeping up with the law, a set of rules that no one, that Jesus never expected you to do, fulfill. And because of this, you're desperate and in despair because all you hear is accusation. All you hear is fear. All you hear is, is people saying stuff about you and people don't want to come anymore. And here's the thing is that us in church, we're okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, bring all the sinners, all the sinners until it makes you uncomfortable. We're okay until someone starts talking about your sin. You know, we have to learn how to love people that sin differently than us. Because we're all sinners. The Bible tells us of a story. Jesus tells us a parable. At one time, he was faced with the same kind of question these Pharisees had been asking him. And, and Jesus begins to tell these parables of one of a woman that was trying to find a coin. And she swept her entire house to find that one coin. And she swept and cleaned. Can I tell you, maybe we need to sweep and clean house in order to find that one person that Jesus wants us to find. And the Bible tells us also that in that same narrative, he also tells uh, the, the Pharisees about, oh, there's one lost sheep. The shepherd went to go find that one lost sheep. But then at the very end of all this narrative, he tells us another story of two sons. One son that told his father, hey, hey, dad, I'd rather you, ha- you die so that I can get your inheritance. Give me my half so that I can go. And then it tells us about the two sons. And one son, he left, and we know him as the prodigal son. He ended up leaving, squandered all his father's money, wasted it. And then he comes running back into the father's arms. And the father throws him a big party, kills a fattened calf. But the problem is that there's another son inside the house. The one that never left. Can I tell you that both sons are sinners? Both sons are messed up. Because one son on the outside has squandered all the money. He wanted his dad dead. He got his inheritance. And the other son's in here. When have you ever thrown, thrown a party for me and my friends? Where is my goat? He's accusing and he starts saying and starts saying, Can I tell you, many of us sound more like the person on the inside than the person on the outside. And the problem with us on the inside is we're here on this side of the, of the coin or we're on this side of the table and we want our party, we want our fiesta, we want people to honor us. And when in reality God has intended us for us to be here to be, be places of training ground here in church so that we can go out into the world and restore and, and change lives of people. 
And the reason people don't want to come here is because we're just like the other son. We're still lost. And no one wants to come in. Except for the people. Except for these people that come in and come in and they don't want to stay here because what happens when the entire church has rocks in her hands? You can't worship God with rocks in your hands. We look at the people around us and look around you, the community in Houston, it's changing. I mean, everything from, from all types of different people, from the homosexual community to any type of community that's coming and every single mentality that's coming, things are happening and people think a certain way. And like everything that goes against what you feel comfortable with, then we, we begin to re- respond and react and we throw rocks at it and expecting for someone to change them. And we get angry at other churches because they're reaching them. They're reaching the people that you did, you accused of. Where was the church? All you had was nothing but rocks in your hands instead of worship. These hands are meant for love. They're not meant for throwing rocks. Anybody hear me this morning? And if you really want to see change and you really want to see people come in, we have to look at the lens of how Jesus looked at people. I'm reminded of stories all through Luke and John. Jesus tells us, uh, John tells us different stories that are very unique to his gospel. He tells us even a story of a woman who, who was this adulterous woman, this, this woman who was a prostitute. She comes in and she, she anoints Jesus' feet and wipes, wipes her, 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 his feet with her hair. And she's anointing his feet. And everyone got angry. Because because they saw this woman, what she was doing. What a waste of money. And Jesus says, she gave me more worship than any of you. I'm reminded of a guy named Zacchaeus in the book book of Luke. That Jesus had spoke to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was this wee little man. Little short guy. Kind of like George Carvalho size. (laughs) You know, like... And he's a tax collector, meaning he literally was the one who stole pe- people's money. He exhorted people out of their money. He was a thief. We know the story, he, and Jesus tells him, come to eat my, I want to eat at your house today. He says, I don't care who he stole money from, I want to go with you. Can I tell you that Jesus honors and wants the poorest of the poor, and even the riches of the rich, the ones that steal money. Jesus wants everyone. Jesus is looking at us because all we do is have rocks in our hands. All we have is is accusation at people. And what Jesus really wants from us is to love people like never before. Because don't forget that you were once on the floor as well, just like the adulterers. Anybody praise God for that. Don't you ever forget about what God got you out of. Don't you ever forget of what God changed you from. Don't, for, don't, you, don't you ever forget the chains of addiction that were upon you. And Jesus set you free. Don't think that you're all high and mighty. That you deserve something else or you're entitled to something else. Because that's what we look at. We're having an entitled mentality. That oh we deserve this because I've been here longer. Oh I, I, I'm the best singer. I deserve the best microphone. Oh yeah I, I, I need to have this. I need to have that. And I, I am this and that, and can I tell you, in the kingdom, in God's eyes, God is just looking at the same people. Because we're just as lost. 
Or maybe you're number three. The advocate. For some of you, you don't know what that word means. <laughs> some of you are like, man, that's a big word. <laughs> the advocate. Someone who advocates for people. Not advocate, okay? <laughs> it's not, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to sell you anything. <laughs> advocate. We understand it as a term of, in a term of law, in the field of law. As someone who defends someone. Someone who stands in the, the gap for someone. An advocate. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is our advocate. The Bible tells us that Jesus intercedes for us to the Father. Do you know what the word intercession means? We think about it as prayer, but it's a little different than prayer. You know, we, we confuse the two. We say, oh, intercession, prayer, put them together. But they're very different in some ways. Because if you really break that word up, intercession, intercede, the word enter means you're getting into something. You're getting in the middle of something. And that word seed means to cease, to stop something. You're, literally, it's what's trying to tell us is that you're getting into something so that something can be stopped. And when we intercede for someone, we're not just praying for that person. We're getting in the gap and we're believing with that person and standing next to that person. And we feel the pain of that person. We feel the hurt of that person. And we get in the gap in the middle with that person so that something can be stopped, so that chains can be broken broken so that uh, oh any hurt can be stopped pain can be stopped infirmity can be stopped and when we intercede we get in the middle of it and i want to believe when the bible tells us that jesus intercedes for us that jesus is getting in the middle the bible tells us in colossians that that we don't have a, a jesus we don't have a jesus that 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 doesn't sympathize with our weaknesses but he felt every, he was tempted in every single way he felt the same temptations that we do. He will, He was with us. He dwelt among us. And when Jesus is with us, we serve a Jesus that's compassionate. Who loved us so much that when he interceded for us and we came on the cross and died for our sins, and he dwelt among us, he felt our hurt, he understands it, and he sees this woman and he says, he draws a line in the sand, and I have no idea what he drew. I'm not going to be like a crazy theologian. Oh, man, I got a lot of paper here. <laughs> I didn't realize that. You brought your shoe. Like, how embarrassing. Like, you know, hopefully I'm not, like, wiping some. Oh, man, something's on my face. <laughs> like, you know. I sweat a lot. I'm sorry. I, I, it's, it's part of, like, you know, I, it's, I need, I need, you know. It's part of my workout. (laughs) So when Jesus, he comes down to be with us. And he tells this woman, he he writes in the sand. And he he says, those who are without sin, you throw the first stone. This is like this. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And and they continued to ask him. And stood up and said to him, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down on the ground. Let's read the next verse, verse 9. It says, but when they heard it, they went away one by one. And it says, beginning with the older ones. 
I, I would like you to highlight that as crazy as possible. Huh? Like, like as so much that it bleeds through the next couple pages. Because the problem many times, and I don't know who I'm speaking about to, is that one generation from another, there's a gap. And it's one generation that begins to accuse the other generation because they do things different than the other generation. They worship different. They sing songs differently. They talk differently. They, 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 they have all, all social media and everything's different. Every, I mean, we communicate differently. We give our offerings differently. We, 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 we come to church differently. We look differently. And I'm not disrespecting any, the way one generation does it or another, but whenever one thing gets more important than the other, and our tradition is more important than our children, because you will either lose your tradition or lose your children, which one do you want? And when we begin to look at our eyes and we look at, at, at everything that person is, and, it's, and a person doesn't fall into sin and fall away from God, simply because of, from one day to another they said, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to live my life my way, the way I want. They fall in that way because pattern after pattern, things after things happen over time. And when a person does not feel love, they will find love elsewhere. But what greater love could it be? Jesus and the people here. Can I tell you? Revival will happen. Not through one generation. I speak to youth all the time. But it's through multi-generations. From older to younger. Our wayward sons and daughters, our kids, our, our youth. Every single one will come back when we all understand as one body. That it's not about the rocks in our hands and what's right in our eyes. It's about what God wants for his people. And when we look at everything through God's eyes, that he is an advocate, and we, are, we must be an advocate, a person that stands in the middle. I'm going to ask Ryan if he can help me with the piano. When we stand in the middle for people, and we say, God, can you help these people? Can we love them? Can we care for them? God, use us. Use us. God, let it be me. There's a song, I I, I don't remember the exact title or even the, but there's an old song that says, Jesus, friend of sinners. Jesus, friend of sinners. You read all the Gospels. All of Jesus' friends were people that were messed up. Tax collectors. Prostitutes. Mary Magdalene had seven demons inside of her. Friends of Jesus. If the makeup of your friends, someone once told me, and I I think there's truth to it, but at the same time, I feel like there's an error in it. 
that you're the sum of the five friends around you. Someone, have anybody ever told you that? You're like, you're the result of the, your five closest friends around you. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think, man, you know, we hang out with people that are, that are going to help you, guide you. But at the same time, if you look at the makeup of all your friends, and if all your friends are nothing but dead Christian people, or just people that go to church, I struggled with that the last, maybe the last 10, 15 years of my life. I went to Christian church. I went to a Christian high school. I went to a Bible college. And every single one I, friend of mine, were Christian people. And I said to myself, I need to get out. I need, I need to find people. I, I got to go to the barbershop or something. I don't know. I need, I need, I need to meet people. And you come to realize when you start hanging out with people that, that are just regular people, they have so much questions. And even though you don't know the Bible backwards or forwards, or I'm not asking you to. You don't, you don't have to know the law. You just have to be a friend. Most people don't come to church because you can expose and expound scripture and exegete and They come to church because they know a friend. They know someone they can call on. They came here and they met a friend. They came here and and they were greeted by someone. They came here and they walked out of here. And before they walked out of here, 10 people hugged them. They were not just another person in the parking lot. They were a person They were a soul. And when we get out of our bubble and start hanging out with people that are different, stop seeing through the eyes of an accuser. Me and my wife, we come home from work and we start telling telling stories about people that we interact with. I like, mean, I interacted with this person. And I call it celebrating a win. Doesn't mean I converted him over to Christianity, but you know what? And I'll say, man, this person, so-and-so, they asked me about this. What do, you, what do you think about this? That one conversation, you never know where that one conversation will go. And I rejoice and have victory over one small five-minute, ten-minute conversation that where I brought someone closer. I preach in a lot of places. Like, I, I literally do, and that's not boasting anything, but I'm just saying that, like, and, and I've been in places where a thousand people are in, and, and hundreds of people come to the altar, people weep and cry. But I've learned to rejoice more in a significant 10-minute conversation with an unbeliever. Than 10,000 people at an altar. Because in that conversation with someone who does not know Jesus, if I brought them just one inch closer to Jesus, that doesn't mean I converted them and man, they're completely you know, on the worship team the next Sunday. But if I brought them just a little bit closer 
and got them to open up their mind to think differently about some things. Then you know what? I'm planting a seed for the next person that's going to come. Paul said it like this. I planted a seed. Apollos watered it. But then it was God that gave the growth. It was God that gave the growth. And you know what? I don't care if that person goes to my church or another church. You know what? I planted a seed someone else. You know, watered it. Someone else is going to maybe convert that person. Maybe a person, you know, it's going to be maybe a three-year journey before that person actually comes to Jesus and is, is, is fully ready to commit to God. And so be it. Let that time go. Let them go through that struggle. Let them go through times. But you know what? Let me be a person alongside and be part of that journey. God, use me. Use me. But let God bring the growth. Let God reap the reward. Let God do everything. Because in a season of waiting, God will be glorified. And so Jesus says, tells the woman, go and sin no more. set you free, you're you're free. I want to be able to tell people about a Savior, about a Jesus. I don't want rocks in my hands. These hands are meant for love. These hands are made for worship. These hands are meant to greet people, to hug people, to shake hands to love on them, to wipe tears away. These hands are meant for, 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 for what God wants. And I want to be a friend of sinners. Anybody want that today? I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.